Welcome to the 64th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the chauffeur for the Spider-Man No Way Home hype limousine, Adrian Pinter. My friend, how are you today? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, are you just going to keep on with the Spider-Man, uh, this one's the multiverse movie one, opening bits? What are you talking about? For my name? What do you mean? Like I'm, I'm the hype I'm the hype conductor, I'm the hype pilot, I'm the hype driver. Hmm. Oh, you're noticing a trend. I, I thought this was origi- wholly original. No, this is, this is the, the third time you've done so. Not that I'm, uh, not no. that I'm, uh, not that I care. You know, you do you, man. You're a creative. Speaking of that. Speaking of that, Andrew Garfield was actually on Jimmy Fallon the other night, this mm-hmm. past week. I'm not sure which night it was, some night last week, because you're listening, listener, on a Monday, and it would have been the previous week from Monday to Friday, one of those days. Anyways, he was on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show, and he was interviewed by Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> That's my Jimmy Fallon impression. It's kind of mean. You don't like Jimmy Fallon? No, he seems like a very nice guy. Okay. All right. Getting some negative vibes. Out of the tone of the tone of your laugh there. So um apologies to Jimmy Fallon. Adrian may not like you. I do like I'm not you. sure. I think he I like you. You're great. You're great, Jimmy. I do like you, Jimmy. It, no, but not that Jimmy. I don't like our Jimmy. I like ah, Jimmy Fallon. Damn it. I was gonna take that out. I was gonna cut yeah. it together and it make it sound like you liked Jimmy. Jimmy, by the way, audience, uh, audience members is our audiovisual technician. Um, he's a real pro and Adrian doesn't like him for some stupid reason. I don't want to get into it. Arguably half of his job is redundant because there's no visual aspect to this podcast. But anyway, well, there was in our previous podcast. That's why he was an audio video technician. Anyways, regardless, we're, we're on YouTube now. We're on YouTube. We've got some graphics that we put up on YouTube for our podcast. We're now on, we're, if you don't know audience as well, we are on every platform pretty much that's popular for podcasts. And now we're re- most recently added to YouTube in audio mm-hmm. form only. Incredible. Yeah. And that's in large part because of Jimmy. So I don't know, if, not Jimmy Fallon, but Jimmy, the audiovisual technician who works for... Um, no, Jimmy Fallon, actually. It <laughs> yeah, is Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon has a side job. He's not making enough yeah. from the Tonight After Show. After his role in uh, Jurassic World, he decided to come work for us. Yeah, that's right. That's his new side job. No longer mm-hmm. is it to work uh, in really small parts for Jurassic Jurassic Park movies only. But yep. it's it's now to work with us. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the case. It's not the case. This is a different Jimmy. Anyways, we're really sidetracked here. Andrew Garfield was asked a direct question from Jimmy Fallon. He asked the hard questions, and he's it's funny because Andrew Garfield's arguably even larger than in real life. If he was sitting in the actual studio talking to Jimmy Fallon, it was a like a Zoom call, mm-hmm. but he's just like on this giant screen. You can just see all his all his emotions. But Jimmy Fallon's like, have you seen that photo of you with Tobey Maguire on the set of Spider-Man No Way Home? And I thought that that was quite the quite the question. And Andrew, Andrew Garfield was like, didn't quite know what to say. It's worth looking at. It's worth looking at. But he's good. He's good. If 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 he's not going to be in this movie, 
mm-hmm. um, or if he is or whatever. If he is going to be in it, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I can't tell because Andrew Garfield is is quite good at hiding. He's an actor. He's acting. He's acting in real life, yeah. even on talk shows. He also hates Mondays. <laughs> You're so clever. It's actually a, from a BoJack Horseman reference, Simon. You wouldn't get it. Wait, BoJack Horseman, there was a reference to Andrew Garfield and then about yeah. him hating. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's in the first season. Oh, cool. I was just, I, I just came off of just before we started recording this, uh, listening to Smartless with Will Arnett, who's also obviously in BoJack. I just, uh, mm-hmm. anyways, there's a couple of things that happened this week. Last week, we talked about Christopher Nolan's new movie, which is a World War II film, or it's going to be a World War II film about Oppenheimer, who created the atom bomb. And there was a big question about whether Christopher Nolan would end up going to work back at Warner Brothers again, if, if the Warner Brothers is going to fund the film or if it's going to be a different studio this time. The reason that question even arose in the first place is because of the fact that HBO Max, that whole HBO Max deal with the 17 films in 2021, how Warner Brothers announced that every film of the blockbusters they were launching this year for the 2021 year, they were all going to launch simultaneously on HBO Max at the same time as in theaters, which was a huge controversy. No one spoke out about it. He was like, that's stupid. Uh, HBO Max is the worst streaming service, yada, yada, yada. But a deal has been struck. So he was putting that his new film, the World War II film about Oppenheimer on the market. And apparently, Universal Studios scooped it up. So it is true. Oh my goodness. Warner Brothers, for the first time in like 20 years, will not have a Nolan film um, they will not have exclusive rights to Nolan's Nolan's films anymore. It's it's a crazy situation. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, neither of us even guessed that it would be uh, Universal. Funnily enough, we we both thought. I thought like maybe Sony, and then you mentioned Netflix as a good possibility. Because just because of Scott of, Stuber. Because uh, yeah, exactly. He was just the like content chief was like trying to get him. I, it, it, it seemed like he was definitely on the hunt, and I thought it was impossible. But but now it is. It's weird because Universal is NBC and NBC is Peacock. And I, 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 I kind of figured it was either going to be like Netflix, which is the ultimate streaming service, which would just buy into whatever Nolan wanted in terms of a theatrical exclusivity release. And then it would be on Netflix afterwards. Mm-hmm. Or it was going to be somebody like Sony. That's kind of where I, I liked your idea that it was going to be Sony because I felt like – because Sony doesn't have a streaming service and they kind of mm-hmm. – they're not going anywhere the wind blows, but they have had Greyhound on Apple TV+. Plus. They've had various other movies on Netflix, and they've got to deal with Netflix. They've got to deal with Disney Plus in some regard. And so I think they would choose to put everything as a theatrical release, like Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which has been delayed like 15 times and then backwards delayed and is now coming out on October 1st. Um, mm-hmm. Backwards delayed, I like that. But yeah, I agreed with you. I thought Sony was a good choice. Yeah. Venom's only an hour and a half, which is kind of nice. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I hope it's good. Yes. Me too. I hope it's better than the first one. Me too. I, I don't think it's going to take much, though. I uh, I really like Andy Serkis mm-hmm. as an actor, but I haven't seen anything that he's made, like, directing-wise. It's been phenomenal yet. I may, Maybe I just missed, missed it if there's something that I haven't seen that is amazing, but it's all been, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty good. It's good stuff, you know? But I'm definitely curious how, how it's going to turn out. I definitely like I do want to watch this movie. If anyone's good at mocap, I'm sure he's great at directing mocap because he's the, probably the greatest actor at mocap ever. But the mocaptor. 
as I the, like to call him. The Mo Captain? The Mo Cat actor. The Mo Cat oh, actor. Yeah. That's that's really stretching it. I, I, Whatever. You dude. definitely didn't workshop that joke. Let's just say that. No, obviously not, Simon. You just got to keep it going. You got to be more of a yes and person. You know what I mean? Improv classes. Start going with those. <laughs> Anyways. You just need to have better jokes. Um, anyway. You just need to have better follow-ups to my quality jokes. Anyways. How long were you going to um, say that for? I feel like that that this has gone on too long. Let's move on to the other piece of news, this like brief piece of news, because we talked about this <gasps> before. LeVar Burton no longer wishes to be a part of Jeopardy at all. He's just not going to do it. He's decided yeah, that it's wow. not actually something he's interested in. Interesting. I remember you you explicitly said that he would want to be a part of it. So uh, yeah, well, I guess that's a minor correction. Um, uh, no, hardly not a correction. I don't. I wouldn't say so. At the time, I, I'd argue that he did because he literally said it on the air. He's like, "I want to be a part of this." Mm. Nothing to correct. Well, not anymore. I think. Wonder what happened. Yeah. Uh yeah. It is Perfect. odd. It is a very strange situation, but there must be some kind of back, like backroom drama that ha- must have happened. It was a very strange situation, anyways. The executive producer hiring himself as the host seemed a little weird uh, when everyone was yeah. calling for LeVar Burton to be the the host, and now he doesn't want it. But I, he said actually, I think it was on Trevor Noah's show. He was saying that he's actually he's over it anyways, and he's got a lot of job um, job offers because of his stint on Jeopardy. So it actually might have worked out for him anyway. But yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And then there's also another piece of news. What? Yes, I know. How there's lots newses? of little, little little pieces of little How pieces of tidbits, tidbit correction type situations here. The Grandmaster, Nona Gaprin Gaprin Dashvili. Gaprin Dashvili. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes, I did. She's a Georgian Grandmaster of chess. But she feels like she's insulted. She's been slighted by the production team for Queen's Gambit. Because they mention her specifically in the show. There's like a one-off, like a throwaway line in which mm-hmm. she's she's basically she's called out for only playing against women as a chess master. But she never played against men. But by that time in the show, when they say that line, she had actually played apparently, according to her, she had played over 50 people, 50 men specifically. So mm-hmm. that's not true that she only played uh, women in chess. She played lots of men as well. And she finds this to be slander, and she's going to sue Netflix for this. Now this, in my opinion, is a little silly. I'm not sure what you're thinking there, Adrian. Um, Like, I, I can get it from her perspective, but at the end of the day, this is not like a... Uh like this is a fictional story. Like this is this is altering history. So, I mean, hypothetically speaking, in this alternate version of history, maybe she didn't play anyone. But I, I can see how she could be upset about it. Like, you know. Yes, I would agree. I, I would have made a statement as soon as the show came out, which came out a long time ago at this point. Um, I would know because I, at this point, I watched like- it for two years straight. Mm-hmm. You know. Just couldn't yeah. couldn't finish the damn thing, but it's, even though it's couldn't. an incredible show, it's amazing. I just was slow as heck, but I agree. She should be maybe like kind of feel slighted. She, she I, I, I know, you know, if I was a grandmaster of chess, I might say, "Hey guys, come on, what you you forgot about me?" I might like tweet that on Twitter or something, and then I would get like I don't know some retweets from some other celebrities, and then people would be like, "Oh yeah, I'm so sorry." 
but I would not sue anyone. I'm sorry. I, I just uh, wouldn't. It just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me that like that's just like a, I, I, can you just sue people for anything then? Just sue people for whatever yeah. it is. They can say whatever. Like people should be able to say whatever they want. I don't understand why this matters. If it's a fictional story, this is not a biopic. Anyway, I, I, yeah, it's a little weird to me. I don't uh, necessarily agree with it. Um, don't sue me, Nona Capron Dash Philly. You know, I hope she does. Maybe for like mispronouncing her name because I feel like I'm really butchering it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. She also called it sexist, which I thought was a little weird. The show? Yeah. She thought it was sexist that they would say that she's only played against women. Women. But I don't know. That's more like it was like plot convenience as opposed to sexism because it's literally about a woman chess player who's incredible at chess. So. Mm-hmm. The sexism part is lost on me a little bit, but uh, yeah, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe maybe it was meant to suggest that there wasn't uh, a woman chess player who was any good. That the only woman chess player that could play against one, uh, men is a fictionalized character. I can see it from that angle. Yeah, but well, uh, to be fair, I'm probably not the probably not the person to talk about sexism. <laughs> me personally. I, I don't know actually because it's a yeah again it's a fictional character and if the, if there yeah. was like there was likely chess masters women chess masters they could have been more but it, because of sexism that's the reason they didn't play face men that I don't understand I feel like yeah I don't think this is sexism but again I could be wrong it's just a very strange situation and I'm a little yeah it's a little off putting that she would sue for it specifically but mm. it is what it is yeah and then. Lastly, there was footage of Daniel Craig saying a speech on set of the No Time to Die James Bond film, and I teared up a little mm-hmm. bit. I must say, he teared up. He choked up when he was when he was speaking to his uh, his crew, and I was like, "Oh man, this it's very uh, heartwarming." He was he was talking about how how much he loved working on the James Bond films, despite the fact that there's a lot of rumors swirling or have been rumors swirling for years that he doesn't like it, and. Uh, he, I feel like he kind of pretty much debunked it in one swift speech Video. to his crew, but I don't know. I still got to watch the other, what, there's four in total? I've only watched Casino Royale, so Cas- I got to watch the other three. Casino Royale is probably the best one, but you didn't really like it that much, so I don't know if you're no. really keen on it. I'm definitely keen on watching No Time to Die because it is Daniel Craig's last James Bond film and because I do like the rest of the series. Skyfall is probably... The second best. Um, Which is the third one? Yeah. The second one, Quantum of Solace, like for Daniel Craig's films, is, uh, I think I've said this before, but it feels like it's a going have. through the motions type scenario where it's it feels like it's like a, a simulation of your James Bond film. Mm-hmm. And then Spectre kind of feels the same way. I don't know. Spectre is a weird one. But Christoph Waltz is in Spectre. So you got to oh. love that. Yeah. He's also in No Time to Die, as you might have seen from the trailers. I have. All right. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go through those. I got, what, two weeks, three weeks before that movie comes out? It's like early October, I think. So uh, I'll watch the other three movies, and then maybe we can go, Simon. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. I should say, like, as an actual correction from last week, you did mention that Crime Macho is a Western. Is it not? Uh, the Crime Macho is a Clint Eastwood-directed film with Clint, Clint Eastwood acting in it, which I didn't realize Clint Eastwood would also be in that movie. Clint Eastwood is like over 90 years old at this point. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, that's pretty old. Like an American treasure. He's 91. 
He must have been at least 90 when he was like actually in production for Cry Macho. I can't even count that. Cry Macho is not a Western. It takes place in modern times. Hmm. It has Western elements, I guess, in in that Justified has Western elements. If you were to think of, I guess, Justified with Timothy Oliphant as a a Western in in a way. But uh, yeah. So it's not a Western. No. It takes place in like 2000 something. Probably 2020. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It looks neat. I did see the trailer for it. It looked... Looked good. I just uh, noticed on the on the when I was editing that you did say it was a western. I was like, oh, it, it isn't. So I thought I would just chime in and mention that here because we try to be accurate on our show. So we have this small segment. If we make a mistake, we will mention it on our show. Um, if we make mm-hmm. a mistake from previous weeks, if you have a correction for us, or if you have any questions or, or comments to make to us, please email us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And we will definitely address your comments or corrections on the show. I welcome you all to write into us anytime. All right, Adrian, what have you been watching this week, my friend? Oh my goodness, Simon, what have I been watching? Um, well, I watched the entirety of season five of Rick and Morty. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, it just finished, I think like a week or two ago. And, uh, you know, I like the show enough. Like, uh, it used to be, you know, really high on my list of of TV series. And um, I took the free trial in Stack TV through Amazon Prime. And let me tell you this real quick about Stack TV. This service is $14 a month. And there is an ad in the middle of every single episode that's 30 seconds. Right in the middle. I was really? Like, this is fucking preposterous. So I would never pay for this uh, this service. And th- that's my review of Stack TV. $14 <laughs> a month. And there's a fucking goddamn stupid 30 minute, sorry, 30 second ad in the middle of a, you know, like a 20 some odd minute episode. And it's preposterous. Also, the autoplay functionality. Every episode of Rick and Morty, there's always an after credit scene in every single episode. And for whatever goddamn reason, in the Stack TV application, as soon as the credits start going, it does the autoplay thing. And you have like five seconds to be like, no, 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 stay on this episode. So Can't I can watch you turn the it off? Scene. You must be able to turn it off. Know. You must, but I, I didn't. I didn't bother looking into it. But it's just like you'd think that it would just be intelligent enough not to do that because I'm sure there are people watching Rick and Morty on Stack TV with this autoplay feature defaulted to on, missing all these after credit scenes. Somewhere, Amazon had you know, that for me. Like Amazon Prime had autoplay. They all right. seem to have autoplay as a default, and I I turn it off on almost every one of them as as long yeah. as I can find the setting. It's so annoying. I don't like autoplay. I don't like it making it a small little icon so they can advertise some other show. I don't care about that. I just want to look at their credits and watch the names go by. That is what I want. And you should, as a like a, a TV producer Consumer. or a film producer, you should have respect for the people who made this show, whether it be yeah. Jack Ryan or you know um, the boys. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see it. And I want to hear the score. So... Simon yeah. loves names and scores and wants to watch it. Call me pretentious, but I want to see the credits there, Adrian. <laughs> That's fair, man. Uh, you know, I get it. I get it, dude. But uh, anyways, uh, into the actual review of the season uh, of season five of Rick and Morty. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it's, you know, uh, it still has that same charm of Rick and Morty. This like, you know, very witty, ridiculous humor uh, full of like, you know, puns and just like off off the wall sort of ridiculous scenarios happening between, you know, Rick, who is the grandfather of Morty going on these like wild adventures together. Um, 
you know, a lot of screen time with the family and stuff like that. And just a bunch of random characters being produced. Like Rick and Morty itself is, you know, just a comedy, like a cartoon comedy show. It's been around for around like six, seven years at this point because there's been, you know, little breaks between each season. And uh, I really like it. Uh, Again, the show revolves around a um, almost like a Doc and Marty uh, from uh, Back to the Future, and it's like a parody of that almost. That's really how it started, um, funnily enough, by one of the creators, Justin Roiland, and then Dan Harmon, you know, partnered up with him and made a more cohesive and uh, um, arguably better TV show because of that. Uh, Justin Roiland actually vo- voices both Rick and Morty, and again, it's it's a really funny show. I like it. There um, are a couple of episodes in the uh, show which I or in this season in particular that I actually really, really loved. And it's always those episodes that kind of explore the more um, deeper sides of specific characters, um, most notably Rick more of the time. And, you know, where it, it balances this like sense of, you know, ridiculous comedy with some actual like very heartfelt moments. Um, and I think Rick and Morty does this fairly consistency, uh, consistently throughout. It's like, you know, five season run so far. Um, but again, there are a few episodes where I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. This one's kind of like, I-, I could take it or leave it. Um, I feel like a lot of, um, with, with the show in particular from, I would, I would argue season three on there's, you know, there's like a lot of just straight up forgettable episodes. And I just finished the season. I binged it in like a few matter of days. And I can honestly only think of like four or five episodes that I fully remember or know what kind of happened. Uh, but again, it, it still it still really holds up. I still like Rick and Morty, and I think you even said this before when I talked about it back in the day that I really feel like the fandom almost ruined this show for me, like because I really really loved this like this the series. I watched you know the first season um, on TV, watched all of season two as it was airing, and then I feel like when season three came out, that first episode of season three with the Szechuan sauce, which is a phenomenal episode, and then you had that like one fucking dumb kid that went into a McDonald's screaming that he's pickle Rick just jumping on the goddamn counter begging for Szechuan sauce and I was like ah god it's all downhill from here Um, it's crazy I wonder how many people were kind of turned off the show a little bit just because of this um because of rabid ravenous fan base that is just absolutely out of their goddamn mind I feel like I'm a little bit less I, – I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you talked about – you used to talk about it constantly. Like you loved this mm-hmm. show so much that you would you would mention your excitement for any any subsequent seasons. But once that uh, crazy pickle Rick standing on a table in McDonald's situation happened, um, I feel like uh, it went downhill for me too just because of the concept of uh, – I, I guess I just didn't see as much hype for it. But uh, yeah, ho- hopefully the show is still well, like, well, not well reviewed, but well watched, like well viewed by the audience. It must be like, I'm sure it is um, like, I'm sure it, it lost some viewership once all that started happening. And because honestly, like the main thing for me is like, I, d- I do not want to be associated with a fan base like that. Um, like, like I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's just like, I don't want to be like, I don't want someone to be like, oh, Rick and Morty, like you watch that shit. Like you're like that. That, that idiot that jumped on the McDonald's countertop screaming and literally being like, I'm pickle Rick. Like, God, it's just so cringe. It's like fucked. Um, but, uh, Oh, again, I still really love this show. I still think it's fantastic. It's one of the best like comedies around. Dan Harmon is just a genius. Um, when it comes to comedy, again, community being one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, arguably, if not my favorite, um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I, I do recommend it. Uh, did you ever – I can't remember. Like I know you watched season three. Did you ever watch season four? No. Because I, I didn't no, know where to did. watch it. Where can I watch it? Again, you can watch it on Stack TV with no. the free trial, but then you got to watch this 30 goddamn second ad in between every 20 minute episode. There's too many Bullshit. streaming services. There, there really are. This is a problem, actually. Like, actually. <laughs> it's a channel through Amazon Prime. I know. I'm not doing it. Yeah. It actually did lose viewership quite a bit for season five. Mm-hmm. Like its last episode was at 0.94 million. But I think that's, again – that could be just a, a consequence of it airing on TV. Like this is this is I think Nielsen ratings, so I don't think this mm-hmm. really represents much because I'd imagine most people are watching Rick and Morty online through streaming. And I'm pretty sure the numbers I'm looking at. I'm looking at the Wikipedia list of Rick and Morty episodes. Wikipedia does a good job with that actually. For the people who you know contribute to Wikipedia, they create these like episode list pages, but they tell you the viewership as well as who directed and who wrote each episode always like that they do that but anyway yeah it doesn't look great for viewership in terms of on tv but um yeah i didn't watch it and i do want to watch it i gotta take a look at where season four is because I, I do have the instinct to watch it my brother started watching it quite a bit rick and morty like uh, most recently like he hadn't gotten into it until uh to recently and he, he every once in a while he just says rick and morty's one of the greatest shows he just thinks that it's it's amazing so i think that's cool and then Actually, I should mention this too because it's kind of related. Did you see those little clips of um, um, Christopher Lloyd playing? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Rick with the one kid from um, It, right? And from the Defending one. Jacob. Yeah, and from It. Yeah, yeah. He. Um, that's interesting. It's an interesting situation. Do you think that they would make uh, one episode? And and not, it would be kind of funny if they just ignored the fact that it happened but they just just play it off as it as if it's just a regular episode it's like episode five of season six is just christopher lloyd and um this guy from defending jacob and it who i don't know his name you know what i'm saying like they just do a live action episode but they don't even point they don't point it out they don't they don't really draw attention to it they just do that or they can create it where they become live action midway through the episode that kind of that could have been cool as well it's weird though because they did a few clips they actually released a few clips with them. It's not just one, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, I thought that was super neat. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get around to doing something like that. Like Dan Harmon is very creative and he likes, you know, like pushing these boundaries and, and doing these like th- that sort of neat stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route. I would like that actually. You know, just do a little one off. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. It could be neat. I I gotta get it back into it. I do like it a lot. I did enjoy the first three seasons. I just I fell behind is what happened. Mm, yes i fell behind all right adrian what else did you watch this week anything else um i watched the uh i guess i'll keep this one brief i watched the finale of ted lasso god damn this show's fantastic i can't recommend it enough if you have a playstation 5 you got a six month free trial of apple tv if you buy a new iphone you get a year trial of apple tv watch this goddamn show any way you can get around to it ted lasso is phenomenal i love this show so goddamn much um so i'll keep that brief uh, if you want to hear more uh, deep thoughts, uh, listen back like two or three episodes ago when I when I really just like went into it. To be quite honest, later in the show, we'll likely talk about Ted Lasso because the Emmys were yesterday. <gasps> so we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more further on into this episode. Okay. Okay. So I like it. Stay tuned, listener. Stay tuned. This is the Emmy episode. Um, but yeah, that, that's my uh, brief review of Ted Lasso as well. And uh, then I watched the most recent What If episode. What if 
um, Killmonger saved Tony Stark at the beginning of Iron Man 1. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And? Uh, it was all right. Uh, again, uh, this, this show continues to be middling. I think this episode actually started off very strong. I was really liking it at first, the first, you know, 15 minutes or so. Um, and then it just kind of, uh, I don't know, it gets very convoluted at the end. Uh, there's something about it that just like, I just fell off and eventually got bored. Um, it's cool that so, so much of the cast was brought in. Um, and whoever played Tony Stark did a fairly good impression. It took about like a minute or so to really get into it. But I, like after a minute, I was like, yeah, that's, that's Tony Stark. I'm fine with that. Uh, but again, I just, I don't like the show. <laughs> I, I just don't like the show. I think it's very middling. And where these episodes end so often, I think with the vast majority of them, except for the, again, the Dr. Strange one, which I think is a genuinely great episode of television. Uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. And I'm, and I brought this up after the zombies episode where I'm thinking like they have to continue these stories. Some like if they do a season two, like the way these episodes end are very cliffhangerish. Are they just going to keep on doing random stories or are going to, are they going to continue these small arcs? I don't know. It makes you wonder, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really like it. Unfortunately. What did you think? Liked it again. Again, I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm siding with the critics and most of the, the populace who's watching this. Cause it's again, 90 over 90% of run tomatoes. Um, but uh, I do like it. I think that it's it's quick and the pacing is fast. And that's just the nature of what it is. It's a 30-minute show. Uh, they're 30-minute episodes specifically. I just found it interesting and there was, it was very dark, which I appreciated as well, kind of like the Doctor Strange one. And um, I'm liking the darker tones. Yeah, I don't know uh, if it necessarily ends on a cliffhanger or more so there's a reason for that that's a Disney-related reason, the reason why they ended it the way they did. If you know, if mm-hmm. you catch my my drift there, Adrian, wink, wink. I'm picking up what you're putting tickle, down. Tickle, tickle. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's what I'm thinking, but I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know, and I do like it. I thought it was good. The only thing I thought was uh, thought about since last week, because we talked about this, and you asked about whether – they might pick up some of these episodes for next season. I'm wondering if they. This is a testing ground, almost like a pitch to the audience to to say, "Hey, which one of these do you like?" Because we can make this into a live, not a live action necessarily, but maybe a live action or right. a, like a live action TV series. Maybe we can show various aspects in the upcoming Loki season. Like, there's so many options here that they could do. If you know what I'm saying, like yeah. the fact that Loki's doing this thing with alternate universes as well, maybe Loki finds himself in a situation where he sees one of these universes, one of the ones that people are really thinking is popular. It's an interesting testing ground. Like I think it's pretty well produced. The animation style is quite nice. Um, They get a lot of the actors that they've had throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe already. I I think it's a little bit fast-paced. I would agree with that. And they do end on these weird marks where you're like oh i wish it would continue because i want to see more i wish they had more time mm-hmm. but uh, i wonder if they like maybe they're testing it out and then they can create another animated show maybe based on one of these episodes like zombies theoretically yeah. it's a, it's an interesting situation because the cool thing about this is that it's not that it's not canon but it, it it's canon but it's not really canon because there's potentially infinite multiple universes out there you know mm-hmm. what i mean so you don't really have to address anything too much because it's it doesn't none of it matters in reality nothing matters baby nothing 
And even the voices, when the voice is not correct, it's like, ah, Robert Downey, whatever, Tony Stark's voice is slightly different. You know mm. what I mean? Like, I don't know, he, his puberty happened differently for him for some reason. <laughs> Nature versus nurture, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I did enjoy this episode, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, had a figure, I figured you wouldn't like it again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I want to like it. It's just I don't. Yeah, that's true. I really just, I just don't. Yeah, it's too bad. The last thing that I watched, and this is something I sent to you actually. Actually, sorry, we don't talk about this podcast. Of course, I didn't. Never send have, it never to will. You. But Jimmy sent it to you. And I hope I hope you watched it because he did send it to you. But the Nightmare Alley trailer. Did you watch that? The Guillermo del Toro directed film, which is coming out by the end of the year. I think it's coming out in December. And I have this weird feeling that. It's, I don't know, it might be a sleeper cell for like the Oscars. Like it could get nominated and win. I mean, Guillermo del Toro is no stranger to the Oscars. Like he's, he's, he literally won for Shape of Water. I know. Shape of Water did uh, win Best Picture. But yeah, I don't know. I, I did watch this trailer and it looks, it looks really great. Honestly, this year is stacked for movies. These, these last like few months with like Dune, One Night in Soho, this movie. A bunch of other movies that I can't think of. Uh, West Side Story, uh, Eternals, um, House of Gucci. Uh, like, there's oh, so yeah. many freaking movies coming out in, in these in these last like three months that it's it's kind of wild to think about. Like this this next bit is absolutely stacked, and I'm I'm really happy about that because it's going to give me more excuses to go to the theaters as long as they don't close down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought this trailer is pretty neat. It doesn't show too much. I don't really know what the movie's about. Yeah, um, right? What a good trailer well, I, in general. Like as a concept of a trailer of what a trailer should be, hype you up for the film, but don't tell you what the whole plot is in like yeah. the duration of a like a three-minute trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly that. And and the the cast is stacked. Man. Wild. Like Bradley it, Cooper, Kate, Bla- Kate Blanchett. It's, oh, trailer's starting in front of me right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I summoned oh it my with my voice. But anyways, yeah, no, it's – um, Yeah, yeah no, the I'm very – Sorry? She's in it as well. Who? Dream Horse. Oh, Tony, Tony Collette. Collette. <laughs> I know you joke uh, about Tony Collette and you, you've said she's somehow plays a horse in Dream Horse, but mm-hmm. on multiple episodes of our show, you know, if anyone needs to apologize to one of the creators out there, it's you. But uh, it's true. I love Tony Collette. She is actually amazing. Yeah. She's so good in Hereditary. I, I must say, like, I cannot believe to this day that she did not get nominated for that role mm-hmm. at the Oscars. That was a shock to me. But whatever. Who knows why? Who knows? Fuck the Oscars. It's an inside baseball reference right there. Yeah, inside baseball of video games. Yeah. I apologize to Kenneth Setabauer for Adrian making a reference to a video game a video game award show on Ugh. a TV and film podcast. Come on, Adrian. It's unprofessional. It is unprofessional, Simon, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, Ken. Anyways, yeah, this trailer looks good. It does look good. And you mentioned something interesting that I kind of want to bring up briefly. You said that there's a lot of films coming out this year that are of high caliber that are really good. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a bunch of movies that aren't Marvel movies. You didn't mention like Venom, Let There Be Carnage. You know what I'm saying? You I didn't mention Eternals. but yeah. Oh, you did. Well, which could be, I don't know, it could be nominated. Who knows? That's an interesting. Close Yeah, because it's Close Yeah. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because of the fact, Adrian, so there's this constant thing, this idea floating around on the internet and elsewhere that stop making superhero movies because just make something original. Just make something original. It's one of the most annoying arguments. I don't know if you agree with me, but they do. 
every year mm-hmm. there's hundreds of movies made that are just incredible and they get nominated or don't get nominated. They might get ignored like Uncut Gems as an example. Yeah. And Ostrich. there's so many good ones that come out. They're original and incredible and people don't watch them. And then they say, don't bring out the next Star Wars movie because to make something original. It's like, I don't understand this argument. It just seems so stupid to me. It's a I, dumb thing. Yeah, man, I agree completely because I bet you a billion dollars that like half the people, if not more than half the people complaining about that shit aren't the ones going out to the theater watching these these like indie flicks and stuff like that. Right. They're just bitching for bitching's sake. So The reason I'm bringing this up is because once again, a director has thrown shade at Marvel movies. Didn't even know oh, yeah. this time. And he said, I think it was a, it might've been a Spanish publication. He was uh, a part of an interview and he said, a lot of Marvel movies are just cut and paste. So he, he was basically just throwing shade at Marvel films. And uh, it's not, I mean, he's, yeah, like he's not totally wrong. Cause again, like you make this argument all the time and, and I agree with you that like, you know, uh, Black Panther is just Iron Man formula. Like so many of these Marvel origin movies are the same. And you've even made that argument for Shang-Chi, which uh, I, I agree with slightly, but I think it does enough different to, you know, you know, bring it way high up on my list. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's stupid. Like, stop. Like, why are you bitching about this shit? Like, wh- like what, what does this accomplish? And I really, really like Neil Blomkamp who, uh, directed, um, <laughs> oh, probably best known for like district nine, uh, Chappie. And I think Elysium was his other movie. Yeah. He just came out with another movie, which unfortunately didn't review well. Um, uh, but he literally just like, uh, quote tweeted, um, I think fandom like posted this article, um, like the, about Denny Villeneuve's statement and he literally just quote tweets it like what a fucking asshole and it's uh <laughs> I think it's a little blunt it's a little bit harsh but I won't lie it made me laugh he kind of rolled it back actually I don't know if you saw that but um he he kind of rolled that statement back by saying he's being sarcastic because he likes Villeneuve's movies quite a bit like he loves his movies so that's good that he kind of rolled it back. But it is it is very pretentious. Like he says, perhaps these types of movies have turned us into zombies a bit. Like, ah. It's like, shut up. Uh, so tired. But you know what's yeah. crazy is that James Gunn, when uh, when he was talking, he was on like the press tour for Su- the Suicide Squad. Somewhere along there, he was, he was asked about Martin Scorsese. And, and I think it's because of the fact that he's – James Gunn obviously has dedicated a lot of his career to making really cool superhero films. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 and the the new The Suicide Squad. Which is amazing, by the way. The Suicide Squad, I, I kind of wish I saw it in theaters again. I think I, I kind of – I, I feel like I should have supported it again because I don't know if you know this, but it didn't do that well in, in the box office. Yeah. It didn't do nearly as well as I wish it did because it's so good and I really hope that he gets another crack making the suicide squad two or whatever the heck he can name it at this point the the suicide squad i don't know (laughs) that's a good one yeah the the suicide (laughs) squad incredible um hire me hire me warner brothers but anyways um the the thing what james gunn said about martin scorsese was he was kind of annoyed at the fact that scorsese was actually on this press tour for the irishman and he was basically taking a shot at Marvel coincidentally while The Irishman was just about to go into theaters and hit Netflix. And coincidentally now, the Neville News movie is coming out next month and all of a sudden he takes a crack at, at Marvel when he hasn't done that really before. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's obviously huge. This Marvel Cinematic Universe is a massive publicity magnet. So 
I do wonder, based on what James Gunn said, it does seem very familiar that he's doing this in the same fashion that Martin Scorsese did when he called Marvel movies, whatever, theme park films or whatever. So that's a good point, man. Because again, like what's the saying? Any press is good press. Uh, yeah, 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 roughly, roughly. That's the saying, but yeah, Yeah. that's, that's a good point. I made that up. No big deal. Yeah. You made it. It's made up today. (laughs) Yeah. Today, this very day on what day is it today? I don't even know. 19th, 18th, 18th, September 18th, September. Yep. Excellent. All right. Not October. Not October. We went over that. We established (laughs) that last week. If, if audience you're interested in how we established that it's not October right now, Please check out our last week's episode, episode 63, where we go into Time that travel. in great detail. Incredible. Time travel. I'm it's an incredible sure. moment in that episode. Time travel. Yes, we, we tra- travel through time. Um, anyways, yeah, I thought I'd bring that up because I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. The De- Denis Villeneuve said that. Again, it's just tired. Stop. Stop it already. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of people saying, like, why are you bashing these films? Because, like, you're a filmmaker too. I want to see Denis Villeneuve make – a Marvel movie, that would be amazing. Chloe Zhao, he actually praised the fact that Marvel hired Chloe Zhao before he said the statement. That's why I also think it's a little bit pressy, Dune mm-hmm. press tour-ish um, in his statements, in his comments. But he mentioned that Chloe Zhao being hired by Marvel for Eternals was a great move by Disney and amazing because he's such a fan of Chloe Zhao's work. So I, it's funny now that kind of contradicts this statement. Mm-hmm. But then again, Eternals will likely not be cookie cutter Marvel formula. So like it will likely be up, you know, Spider-Man far from home or Spider-Man potentially no way home or homecoming or uh, winter soldier type ordeal where it's an original plot mm-hmm. that doesn't follow that same origin story format. Yeah. But anyway, indeed, Adrian, did you watch anything else this week? Is there anything else that you watched that I'm not seeing here? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. I don't remember if I watched anything. So, all right. Excellent. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on to the news then. Let's move on to the news, our, our three news stories for the week. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, the 73rd annual Emmy Award ceremony aired on Sunday night with comedian Cedric the Entertainer hosting the affair. The event was directed by veteran event director Hamish Hamilton and was presented at the LA Live Event Deck to a limited COVID-regulated number of attendees. Adrian, did you watch the Emmy Awards ceremony or not? What what happened? Because I, I heard of some drama from our, our mutual colleague, Jimmy, the technician. Uh, Simon, I watched live updates of the Emmys. Oh. Because we spoke on this show before that the Emmys would be airing on Paramount Plus, the streaming service. Yes, we did. But alas, Simon, using the, free, the power of the free trial, I accessed paramount plus through the apple tv application on my playstation 5 and you know what i didn't find simon uh the oscars well i mean yeah i didn't find that either but i didn't find the live stream for the emmys unfortunately and it's because here in canada what unbelievable here in canada you need a goddamn cable subscription to watch it through uh for everything bell is living in the stone age folks it really is. And the truth is, so I, I've got like a, a family member who has a Rogers subscription here in Canada. And so I sometimes bum it off of them to uh, to get access to specifically just live event shows. It's the only thing I really need on there. 
Otherwise, I get everything else from streaming services or I'll rent something or, or you know, so on and so forth. But uh, I also tried the Paramount Plus free trial, the seven-day free trial, thinking, you know, this might be faster because I couldn't remember the password for the Rogers Anyplace TV or what the, what the heck they're calling it now. Mm. And uh, yeah, it wasn't on there. And I was like, oh, I feel bad for Adrian. That's that's for sure because I knew that's the way you were going to get in on, in on that. I think that was correct in the United States though. I'm pretty sure it was. It is, yeah. It's just – yeah. The licensing, licensing agreements for Canada obviously uh, go to Bell. And so Bell calls the shots and Bell doesn't like streaming services. They're living again. I just wonder – I was going to say they're living living in the Stone Age. They're not living in the Stone Age. That's, that's a long time back. But I, I'm, I'm they're 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 old fashioned in their in their ways. And I'm wondering about the future. Are they thinking about future generations at all? Are they just living in this weird utopia of you know all of these retirees are going to be around for the rest of time? Like I don't really, you know what I mean? Like who I don't know any young person really that has a cable subscription or maybe I know one or two, but it's very rare. And I mean, I'm not that young anymore. Like I'm 30, you know, you know, it's like a little strange. I, I don't know. We talked about this before. I'm sure you have a different perspective because you got completely locked out this year of watching this event. Yeah, it it, it sucks, man. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand why they're living in the past still. Like I feel like so many people, especially in our you know demographic and definitely younger, they they use streaming services and that's really it. Like I, I honestly don't know anyone with a cable subscription realistically. Um, like none of my friends do, maybe their parents do. And if they're still living with their parents, uh, and, and they have access to that, but, uh, I, even if they do have it, I don't think they watch it. So it's quite frustrating. I just, uh, I was really, I was really excited when, when, when you read that news story, um, however long ago about it airing on Paramount plus, and I'm like, hell yeah, they're, they're, they're making progress and they are in the States. But again, this, uh, it's monopolization here in Canada. It just it really sucks, and it, it does not benefit the consumer. And I I'm curious how long this is gonna it's gonna continue for. Like, are there contracts in place and that they have to you know only air it online for a specific period of time or whatever? I I don't know, but uh, I'm hoping this ends sooner rather than later, man. I also don't know when it ever will. To be honest, even if you look at Bell, they're 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 living back in time in terms of their own streaming service. Like Crave only got 4K like three weeks ago or something. Like it's unreal. It, it they're mm. living back in time for almost every piece of this puzzle. And I'm not sure. Are they not seeing the dollar signs because Dolby Atmos 4K has been here for a long time and they're not catching on. Streaming services mm. been here for a long time. You have Crave. Put it on Crave. You are Bell Media. It's just it, it just doesn't make sense. Even on CTV, this is the most ridiculous thing. So I had to watch it on the CTV app on my Apple TV, right? Mm-hmm. I put it on. I log into their their dumb portal with Rogers, and they make me watch an ad before it starts. That's unrelated to the ads that you're already going to watch on the actual stream. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to watch commercial breaks anyway. It's not like you're not going to do that, but they force you to watch an ad before you even get into the content. It's just. It's egregious. That's frustrating. It's egregious because at one point in the stream, actually just before the announcement of the best drama series, it froze and it wouldn't load. And it wasn't my internet. My internet was fine everywhere else. It was no problem with my internet for sure. I tested it at that moment. I was like, why is it frozen? I don't understand. I back out and I go in and I have to watch a, a one minute ad. I missed two one. Ugh. It's like, why? Why are you doing this? We're already 
were already getting the ads. They're in between. Like these award shows are known for how many ads they have. Uh, Again, they're living in in the past and they're just not getting it. And I don't know if they'll ever get it before. I don't think they're going to go bankrupt, but because they can monopolize it, unless the CRTC steps in and says, this is ridiculous, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Bell and Rogers like run Canada. They're, they're again, monopolizing as you, as you said before. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, enough about that. This is an award show. We should show. take them out. Sorry? We should take them out. Well, take take them out. Bell and Rogers. Like, uh, oh, for lunch? Like, Let's take them out. Just for like a, a good night to, you know, wine and dine them to say, hey, you shouldn't do this? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I was thinking there was a little bit of a darker undertone based on your tone of voice, but I'm glad you were thinking the positive aspect. Yeah, man. You got to solve conflict with words. Yeah, exactly. And in speaking of really staying positive, Ted Lasso won huge tonight, I would argue. And I think huge. We did expect that a little bit. And I'm very happy for that team because I really do love that show as you do, as Me we've too. mentioned multiple times in this in this show, in this particular episode. Um, but Jason Sudeikis won, which was fantastic. It won Best Comedy Series, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Hannah Waddingham won. Yes. Um, for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Brett, Brett Goldstein, Goldstein won uh, for Best Supporting Actor. I actually watched a little like YouTube snippet. Uh, I was like seeing what I could find online with the Emmys. And, you know, it's just kind of him talking, uh, being interviewed by like three random, I guess, reporters, just like asking him like a question. And he seemed very humbled by the experience. It was really nice to kind of see him. And it's weird not hearing him talk in his, his character's voice, that like raspy, like lower uh, voice. He he actually just has a regular British voice. Yeah, so too many smiles. Threw- he's he's a smiley man. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it threw me off, but I don't know. It, it was again. It it was really nice to see him uh, so happy, and then him just kind of recounting that story and how glad he took the risk about him um, sending in just like his audition tape for the show. Um, and you know, now two seasons in, he won Best Sporting Actor, and it's it's a pretty awesome experience for him. Right. Yes. I don't think we mentioned that earlier on in this particular episode, episode 64 of Swift Focus. Um, but we recorded this Emmys part after we recorded the rest of the show. So if this seems a little weird, like we're talking about something that we just talked about or vice versa. It's because wow. there's like a, a day gap between when we're talking about it. And I'm going to mention this actually a little later in the show again. So bear mm-hmm. with us in, in terms of the time travel of what this podcast is. But anyway. Yeah, yeah we're talking about the future. In the past. Yes. We're, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, I think we're talking about the past, no matter what, the for the audience, because the audience is but listening. We're talking about the future, in the no. future, about the past. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there and not try to unwind it. To avoid wasting everybody's time. Um, but, but yeah, moving... Moving uh, back to even the format of the show, actually, uh, it was pretty good. I actually liked it. Okay. I know you can't speak to it because you didn't see it. Cedric the Entertainer was, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, On on CNN's live updates website, it gave you a notification anytime something happened and I would just click it and refresh the page. Fantastically made website. Oh, CNN? CNN's website Mm -hmm. was fantastic? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm glad you loved it, CNN. But I'm talking about the format of the actual Emmys, mm-hmm. which um, were pretty good. I think Cedric the Entertainer did a good job. Reggie Watts was uh, doing the music for the show. Um, the best thing, though, by far, was Conan O'Brien's interruptions. He would just jump in randomly and start, like, <laughs> pretty much heckling people on the stage. 
which I thought was really, really quite ridiculous. But um, mm. yeah, the president or uh, the, the guy leading the charge for the Emmy award ceremony came up on the stage to, to announce the governor's award. And while mm-hmm. whilst he was actually announcing it, uh, when he got on stage because they announced he was coming out, uh, Conan O'Brien just started yelling, yes, yes, like as loud as he could. And then he's standing there giving him like a salute the entire time he's doing the speech. And people were just like killing themselves laughing. And then also Stephen Colbert won for best live show uh, at one yeah. point because he did a live show. And uh, Stephen Colbert's team did it won for best live show. And Conan O'Brien, for whatever reason, went on stage with Colbert. <laughs> which was ridiculous. And Colbert like talking about like how he's like so proud of the people behind him uh, who who helped him, except for some of the people behind him because Conan O'Brien, and he's the most ecstatic looking person. He's like got his arms around all of the people back there and he has nothing to do with this. I don't know. It was very entertaining because Conan was just, uh, he's just having a blast, man. I think he was just having a great time. And he wasn't really disruptive in a way that was like, you know, is rude, detrimental. I think it was just a good time and it was hilarious. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's what I'm I, I I like Conan. Me too. I do too. And he's kind of a legend in a way. He's been doing this for so long, like this talk show gig, and now he's finally retiring in that that exact format, I guess. He's doing another show, but mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. The last thing we'll talk about format, and then we'll get to some of the other awards, is the In Memoriam it was really good this time in a way that I feel like it's not, not bad. They're always good, but I just found it was – it was heartfelt and sweet, and I thought that John Batiste and Leon Bridges—they just—they're uh, both great. And, uh, and John Batiste was literally playing the guitar, and then they cut to the in memoriam photos, and then he was on the piano suddenly midway through. And uh, it wasn't comical at all, but I just thought this guy's like ridiculously skilled at what he does. Um, but yeah, it was really good, and there was a lot of focus on Michael K. Williams and, of course, comedian Norm Macdonald who just passed away so recently that it was, I think, fresh in everybody's mind. And they mentioned it constantly. And it felt like the tribute to these Hollywood creators was handled better than it was for Chadwick Boseman at the Oscars. I actually arguably believe that this is a better show in general put together completely compared to the Oscars. Although the Oscars was a little bit earlier in the pandemic, so it's hard to compare it maybe. But I just think that even the memoriam in that – in the way that it was put together and then the way that that final award um, was presented with uh, potentially something that Chadwick Boseman could have won. And they took a weird gamble, like a roll of the dice saying, oh, maybe Chadwick Boseman would win and then Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. That was a really weird moment. So in contrast at the Emmys, even though Michael K. Williams was nominated for his category of Best Supporting Actor, they didn't do some weird thing where they structured the show around maybe he'll win, even though he's a great actor and he did a great job in Lovecraft Country. They didn't do that thing where they, again, they structured the show. You know what I'm talking about, right? In the Oscars? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was very off-putting. Um, it was awkward and, and made yeah. no sense. And mm-hmm. I don't think they did that here. Uh, and I think that, again, they did it really well. And they mentioned it throughout this. Many presenters and winners were mentioning Michael K. Williams when they went up on stage. Producers like Lorne Michaels mentioned uh, how you know, sad they were that Norm Macdonald had passed away, things like that. So mm-hmm. again, it was handled with grace. That's what I would say. It was ultimately, it was all handled with grace and the in memoriam kind of felt like it bled into the show in a way. It was great. But other than that, let's get back to some of the awards and uh, any awards stick out to you that you're like, ah, I can't believe they won or 
it's awesome that that particular show or actor won. Well, uh, there was the one um, award for outstanding limited series where I was super happy about, you know, the Queen's Gambit winning that one. Uh, again, I think we've both talked about Queen's Gambit plenty of times throughout uh, this 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 show's run since its release. And I really love that show and I'm glad it's getting the recognition it, it, it deserves. Uh, there is a show on that list that I just really want to watch, though, and that's Mayor of Easttown. I know. I think, it, a bunch. I think it's a good mention just because the, I thought that they might take that award mm-hmm. like for best limited series because it was it was they was kind of a toss up. It wasn't, you know, like a Shit's Creek situation where Shit's Creek just won everything like they swept mm-hmm. every award that they were a part of last year, although it's comedy versus drama and limited series. But um, I just yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Mayor of Easttown. Very interested in watching that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems really good. And again, it won a bunch of uh, awards. I know like the crown won like pretty much sweeped. Uh, maybe not sweeped is the right word, but it won so many awards. Uh, but the crown is one of those shows where I just know I probably wouldn't enjoy watching. So uh, even though it's so well regarded, I, I'm probably never going to watch that show. Uh, do you have any interest in watching the crown? I do a little bit. It's funny. I actually watched three episodes of the crown long ago, like when the crown first came out because it was being, you know, highly reviewed people were thinking it was amazing and i did watch a little bit of it but then i i don't know it, it's not that it bored me but i just wasn't in the mood for it and it, it's a type of series that kind of it's not one note but it's pretty i don't know it's a very intellectual show it actually reminded me in a weird way not not in style but in the concept of being a period piece etc kind of like mad men and that mm-hmm. mad men it's a bit of a slow burn but it's satisfying when you get to the the ending or the end of the series or season so I think that I might go back into it. That's another one that I feel like I might go back in, but I'm way more likely to watch Mayor of Easttown, as you kind of mentioned there, especially because mm-hmm. it's a limited series limited series, and I don't have to watch like five seasons. But Yeah, exactly. I think that's on Crave TV, possibly. Yeah, Mayor it's of Easttown a- is an HBO show. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Sweet. So that's good to, that's good to hear. There's actually quite a few um, – HBO shows and, and, and movies that like, I'm tempted to bring back my HBO, like, sorry, my crave, uh, subscription, because there's like, you know, so many shows on that service, um, like HBO, uh, shows like Mayor of Easttown as an example that I really want to watch. And then also the upcoming season of Dexter is coming back and that's Showtime. And I believe crave also has Showtime shows, if I recall correctly. Yeah, cool. That's great. Yeah. The other show that I want to watch actually on that same vein is Hacks, which is also on HBO, so it should be on Crave 2. And that mm-hmm. one, best comedy writing and best comedy directing. And um, Gene Smart also won for Hacks for best uh, best acting. So that's yeah. really good too. So And like in a comedy series. So I do have an in- instinct to watch that series too because it was very well well regarded at this awards show anyway. That was my, kind mm. of my main takeaways is um, – Great that Queen's Gambit won. You know, kind of like you mentioned there. Mirror of Easttown is a great thing to watch. The Crown is something I might want to get into eventually. And Hacks is something that I seem to want to get into as well, just based on how well it's regarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly, maybe we've talked about Hacks before on the show, but I honestly don't remember ever hearing about it. Like, I have no idea what it's about. So uh, I'm definitely intrigued about watching that. Cool. Um, yeah, that's really that's really the main things that one. I know Hamilton won for best like recorded play or whatever. That's not really uh that's not really a surprise though. Um that was uh I mean Hamilton's great. I listened to that soundtrack for quite a while after uh watching that uh thing. But yeah, that's really um all I have about uh the Emmys that I unfortunately couldn't watch and just saw live updates through CNN's website. On the on the topic of Hamilton winning, 
I'm glad they won because it was great. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird because the, the actors, I don't know if I, we mentioned this when we talked about the Emmys a couple of weeks back when the nominees were announced, but a lot of the actors were nominated in the in the outstanding actor or actress in a limited series or movie, mm. which it is, I guess, a limited series or movie, but then it won for, yeah, it won for best variety or outstanding variety special pre-recorded. Which is interesting because it again it's, it's it's like almost like living in multiple categories. I don't know. In that variety special category, it was also Inside by Bo Burnham, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. That's oh. my when, again. I still think it might be my favorite thing I've watched this year. I just think it's so yeah. good, and I just kind of wish it wasn't against Hamilton because it, it it almost Hamilton living in like all of these categories almost seemed kind of unfair. And Hamilton's obviously incredible. It's a stage play though, so it's like a strange thing but it is a, a special that's pre-recorded so it's not like it doesn't fall into the definition of what that award is it's just a little bit mm-hmm. frustrating because i almost wish inside was not in the category that it was in because again bo burnham's inside to me is incredible and we've talked about that many times on this on this podcast but anyway yeah that's kind of my my key takeaways anyways for this whole whole endeavor i'm sorry that you can watch it it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It's okay, man. I'll live with it. Thanks for being sore. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, I suppose. Okay, then. It is what it is. We're going to take out Rogers and Bell. To dinner or lunch? Both. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, Adrian. Number two. As Publication Variety reports, another HBO Max spinoff series is in the works for the upcoming Matt Reeves-directed Batman movie universe. This time, the series will center around villain Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the (gasps) Penguin, in his rise to power within the criminal underbelly of Gotham City. True detective actor Colin Farrell will be playing Penguin in the upcoming movie, but Variety mentions that it is not yet confirmed whether we might see Farrell reprise his role within the new TV series. Warner Brothers seems to be betting relatively hard on the Matt Reeves Batman universe as they have already committed to a movie trilogy and an HBO Max Gotham Police Department-based TV series. The Cobblepot-centric show is said to be executive produced by Matt Reeves himself and the Batman producer Dylan Clark. The script is reportedly being written by Impulse and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series writer Lauren LaFranc. Adrian, another show on HBO Max Based on the Reeves Reevesiverse, I don't know the the Matt Reevesiverse Batman universe. It's terribly said, but anyway, it should be it should be the Bat Reevesiverse. The Bat Re- is that better? Yeah, because it's like instead of Matt Reeves, it's Bat Reeves. Bat Reeves. Oh, with two T's, of course. Yeah, yeah the Bat Reevesiverse. Sorry, I don't know why I didn't I didn't connect the hey man the dots. Well done. No worries. That's why you have me on the show, baby. That's why you have me on the show. Indeed. Um, what do you think of this? What do you think about this? This is crazy. I, I know you love uh, Matt Reeves because you really do like the Rise of the Planet of the Apes series or whatever, the, the new hmm. series with um, Dave Franco. No, yeah, James Franco. Dave Franco's not in that. To be fair, James Franco is, isn't is in the two movies that Matt Reeves directed, to be fair. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> that was why I said that. That was that was the joke. But then I accidentally said Dave Franco, who's not in any of the movies. No. But James Franco. Anyways. Um, I don't know. I find this quite interesting. There's there's a couple things to unpack here. Uh, one, if Colin Farrell doesn't reprise his role, 
that'll be kind of disappointing. It just it, it'll feel disconnected immediately. Pointless. And I don't want that to happen. So he better come back. If he doesn't, I just say throw this idea out the window personally. Um two, I find it really interesting because uh Cobblepot is a main character in the already existing Gotham series that like that aired on Fox a couple years back. He was a main character on that one. And it feels like they're just kind of retreading. I know this is going to be my like it must be miles better. I'm sure it will be leagues better, but it just feels like they're retreading very familiar ground with the, these two shows that they are making. It's essentially just the Gotham show that we already got, but separated. If you catch my drift, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I, I'd imagine the quality is going to be a lot better. And this is this is a more traditional looking penguin from my perspective. But yeah, he's fat. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that, okay? It's, uh, okay. yeah. Anyway, Robin Lord Ter- Taylor, by the way, from the Gotham series might have been the highlight of that series. That That's the mm-hmm. funny thing about that is that he was one of the, he's one of the bright spots of the Gotham TV series on Fox. Yeah, I agree. It is actually not a bad series. I didn't hate it. It's just, again, the, the <laughs> I said this before, and I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, probably. The Gotham series makes no sense. You started the marketing campaign for the Gotham series by literally saying that you'll never see Batman wear his cape and cowl. The last shot of the film will be Batman wearing the cape and cowl. Bruce Wayne wearing the cape and cowl. So basically to say, this is not a show with Batman in it. Is that a good marketing campaign? This is small. Yeah, it's stupid though. Why though? It's just yeah. dumb. And it was not a bad show, but it was like a lot of this weird drama that it felt like a CW type series. Ada. I, I was not a big yeah. fan. But um, it's interesting. Colin Farrell, if Colin Farrell doesn't get the, the role, which I really do hope he does, like you mentioned, uh, you can just give it to Richard Kind, you know? Yeah. Was that it? Like a you acknowledging my joke and not laughing or on purpose? Or you're kind of like, <laughs> I'm confused. Are you there? I'm. I'm also confused. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm here. No, I, I got the joke because Richard, like Colin Farrell, in the. <laughs> I wanted a pregnant pause, Simon. Uh, yeah, because like literally Colin Farrell and all the all the makeup and stuff, he literally looks like Richard Kind, um, like awfully similar. So uh, yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> That's I guess one way to make it feel not disconnected from this. Uh, you know, I guess. Bat Reeves averse, but um, Richard so. Kind sounds nothing like Colin Farrell though. Like it's, there's a whole different like acting situation. I don't know. It's not. It would yeah. be similar, but it, it was that was a joke floating around on the internet. I was I was hoping that you would reference that right away after I made the reference, you know. But you had to you had to pause. You know you know who didn't yes and in that's in this situation you didn't. You threw me. You I, just you basically hung me out to dry. You threw me off a bridge. Is what what happened. Oh my god! And the audience was lost as well. That's what I feel like. Now you're making it awkward. You were like the penguin. You were like Cobblepot. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Now you're making it awkward, you little bozo. <laughs> uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> um, yeah, great times. Honestly, I love doing this with you, man. Yeah, I love doing it with you as well. Thank you for joining yeah. me every week. It's it's a good time. Yeah, no worries. We gotta. Yeah, we, I wish we could do it more often. You know, I wish. I mean, I wish we could talk outside this podcast. It's unfortunate that we can't converse outside this podcast it's a yeah i just feel like the chemistry what the, the you know the, the the fiery chemistry won't be there if we talk more than once a week yeah you know we have this pent-up attraction and we we have to 
Not sexual. Not sexual. We have to blow the load as soon as we get on this <laughs> well, podcast. you're just going all in on the sexual innuendos. Oh, shit. Uh, that was sexual. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I completely, I completely mm-hmm. uh, Tobias Funcade that. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. I love Arrested Development. Um, but yeah, uh, all, all in all, like I, I'm definitely intrigued by this. I think this is cool. I, I like the idea that they're going all in on this Bat Reeves-averse and, and what, what they can kind of come up with and how – interconnected all of this will be are, are they going to go you know the extent of what marvel is doing with you know wandavision uh captain falcon and the winter man and uh loki and how that is going to connect to the water universe or is it going to be just kind of like little hints and nods and not really be referenced in the main movies you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah like i hope it's definitely completely connected is that what you mean mm-hmm. you're worried about it not being connected no, not that it won't be connected, but like how connected will it be sort of thing? Because I feel like the Marvel TV shows that we're, that we're getting are going to be directly referenced in the movie um, or in, the, oh, in yeah. the upcoming movies. Will we get the same thing from the Bat Reeves directed? If it's not, it would be a terrible disappointment. That's what I would say. I agree. Yeah. And uh, again, Warner Brothers track record in terms of like their TV series are a little bit hit or miss when it comes to like their 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 um, DC related shows. Like, again, most of the CW shows I just I can't get into anymore. I think they're just not great. Uh, I know um, Superman and Lois is like very well regarded, but apparently that's a little bit more HBO Max or it's funded by HBO Max more than the CW, if I read correctly. I might be wrong. Well, it's the same company anyway, so I don't know if that really matters Um, at this point. Again, like Titans, uh, uh, you know, that I don't think is fully well realized. Like, I think it's okay. Like, I watched the first season and it was enjoyable enough. People love Doom Patrol. But yeah, that's that's, again, I would say the the biggest outlier. Um, Doom Patrol, and I guess again, Superman and Lois, they're both very well regarded. But I would argue there's more misses than hits, at least recently in the TV show front. Yeah, I would agree. I just, I see this differently though, because they've never really done this. They've never done this thing where it's connected to movies, really. Like, they... Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is an interesting, this is almost uncharted waters for Warner Brothers. How well they will do this is kind of going to be telling. I'm I'm yeah. so curious. And the thing is, I don't like any DC hero even remotely close to as much as how much I love Batman. So the fact that they're doing this for Batman, thank goodness. Like, thank goodness, thank goodness this is not for Superman or something. Instead, if it was for Superman, I'd, I'd take it. But I just, I'm so glad this is the case. I, uh, Imagine that first movie though, the Batman with Robert Pattinson is bad. That's like, that's the thing. Imagine it's a bad, it's just not good. Like it just gets review bombed. It's like fifty percent of Rotten Tomato. You don't know. Mm. Like Matt Reeves has a really good track record, but you don't really know. Ultimately, um, yeah. but yeah, even the cinematographer chosen for this, I'm pretty sure is the same cine- uh, cinematographer as for Dune. It's Greg Fraser who I'm a mm-hmm. fan of. So I, I again, I, there's a lot of pieces. That we, I, again, we can, we've talked so much about how excited we are for this movie because of the trailer that, that came out, which is one of the, I feel like it's one of the greatest trailers I've ever seen. Maybe again, it is a really good trailer. It's amazing. So again, I can't speak enough about how excited I am for that first movie. And I just hope that they throw as many references to the rest of the trilogy as possible. Having Robert Pattinson in this, if this is a real HBO Max production, like like Westworld's budget type of scenario, then we're then we're talking. Then you've got if you got Colin Farrell in it, you got um, what's his name, The Watcher, Jeffrey Wright. Yes, yeah, Jeffrey Wright. 
if we have Jeffrey Wright in it, man, that's that's where it's gonna it's gonna shine. Not necessarily this series for the Cobblepot centric one, but the Gotham mm-hmm. PD one, the Gotham Police Department based detective show type idea. Jeffrey Wright being in that again, I I can't express my excitement. Even just having got, uh, Jeffrey Wright as a central character in another show I'm watching, I, I'm I'm a fan. I, I'm in. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's exciting. Color me intrigued. I'm excited uh, for DC Fandom or whatever the whatever it's called. It's coming up fairly soon. We're, I'm sure we'll get a new Batman th- trailer out of that. Yeah, it's in mid so. mid October, so that's it's fairly yeah. it is fairly soon. Have you ever seen the trailer, or I don't think you've seen an episode for uh, Impulse, which was a YouTube Red show written by Lauren LaFranc, who's writing the Cobblepot show. Yeah, that was the sequel to Push, if I recall correctly. Which oh, was is that like correct? That. I didn't know that. I actually, are you being, are you joking? I can't tell. I can't see. No, it. I'm pretty certain about that. Let me just double, oh. let me verify that. Impulse push. But it's relatively well reviewed. Like people like that show. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I watched the trailer. I'm like, I don't really know what this is about, but it does look kind of intriguing. Oh, sorry. Not, uh, not push jumper. Remember that jumper movie? Oh, I see. Isn't that worse? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember it. Isn't Jumper with Hayden Christensen? Yes, and pushes with Chris Evans. Ah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, people like this show. Did you? How many uh, YouTube Red shows have you seen? Because I know you were a YouTube Red, like a YouTube Plus or whatever it's called, subscriber for a while. I know you watched yeah. the Karate Kid spinoff, Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kai. I watched Cobra Kai and I watched Wayne. Those were the two. But okay. the, the main reason why I got YouTube Red was to not have ads on YouTube. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And uh, Cobra Kai was just a big bone. And then they lost yeah. Cobra Kai. They, like YouTube doesn't make any shows anymore. Like YouTube right, Red yeah. isn't a thing anymore. It's just uh, ad free. Um, and then music, I guess, included with it, which isn't too yeah. shabby. Um, but yeah, Cobra Kai is awesome. Wayne was really good too. I'm disappointed that it only got one season and then canceled. Mm. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Number three. According to publication The Hollywood Reporter, Apple and producing partner Warner Brothers have concluded contract negotiations with the stars and writers for the Apple TV Plus comedy series Ted Lasso. The writers were meant to start season three pre-production in August, but negotiations took much longer than expected. Reportedly, all stars and writers were given hefty raises due to the success of the show's first and second season. For instance, Ted Lasso's executive producer, writer, and Emmy-nominated star Jason Sudeikis got a pay bump from $300,000 per episode for season one and two to a lofty $1 million per episode for season three. Oh, shit. Ted Lasso's showrunner, Bill Lawrence, is currently in negotiations with Warner Brothers TV to extend his overall deal with the company, which would likely permit him to showrun multiple high-caliber TV series simultaneously. As Jason Sudeikis has explained in previous interviews, Ted Lasso was initially conceived as a three-season arc. But as The Hollywood Reporter points out, Apple, Warner Brothers, and showrunner Bill Lawrence would like the series to continue past that point due to its initial success. Interestingly, Warner Brothers owns the rights to Ted Lasso, despite it being a headline series for the Apple TV Plus streaming service. Apparently, Ted Lasso is potentially only a timed exclusive for Apple, with Warner Brothers waiting in the wings to collect the show once it completes its third season. Currently, negotiations are being had between Apple and Warner Brothers, with Apple looking to purchase the exclusive rights to the series. Mm-mm. Adrian, it would, I would be amiss at this point in the 
podcast if I didn't mention that we recorded this part of the podcast before we recorded the bit about the Emmys because we don't really know what how Ted Lasso fared considering it literally got 20 Emmy nominations um which was like a record-breaking type scenario mm-hmm. record tying I can't believe it won all 20 right it's yeah we don't know bro. whether they won because we're recording this bit of the podcast before we record the Emmy part of the podcast, just because we always record our episodes on Saturday and obviously the Emmys are on Sunday. So we spliced in the part about the Emmys, basically, for my time, time's sake. From this news story, though, these negotiations that were had with the writers and the actors, uh, the creators for this series, what are you thinking? It's I don't know if you knew that part about the fact that Warner Brothers own the rights to this, the linear rights to Ted Lasso. What are you thinking about that? And uh what do you make of the $1 million per episode that Jason Sudeikis uh, is making? You think he's, he's worth it or what? Um, I mean, again, like it's not the $1 million isn't coming out of my pocket. So I think it's definitely worth it because I'm getting a show this amazing. So I'm more than happy with Jason Sudeikis getting paid that much. That Again, this show is phenomenal. I, I, I gushed about it a little bit at the beginning of the show and, and I have multiple episodes and I'm, I'm in love with the show. I think it's so freaking good. And I think everyone on it, uh, definitely deserves um, a pay increase. They they they're crushing it, dude. Uh, in and I didn't know about the Warner Brothers uh, thing. That's super interesting, actually. I think that's probably the most interesting part of this story. That um, you know, if 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 Ted Lasso finishes its season three run, and then you know, after however long a year or two, Warner Brothers takes that show away and puts it on HBO Max, it would be pretty wild, and it would be a huge loss for Apple. And that's that's super interesting. I've never really heard of these timed exclusives for, you know, original series on a, on a network. I call you know, it we, a timed exclusive because I'm uh, I know a little bit about the video game industry to some extent, so that's why mm-hmm. I call it that. I just thought it was funny because that is kind of what it is. But they did mention yeah. that they could take it away. It is kind of a timed exclusive, though. Theoretically, like they could take it they, after the third season. That contract is up, and they can take it back if they want, which is interesting. But that's the way the contract operates. And I thought, oh, that mm. kind of seems like how timed exclusives work on PlayStation or Xbox. Apologies to Kenneth Stadelpower for talking about video games. So but sorry, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. I can't think of a situation like this, to be honest with you. I mean, there's obviously things like, you know, Quibi shutting down and giving all of its content to Roku. And now that's Roku original. Or again, uh, we, we just talked about it. Cobra Kai, you know, moving to Netflix as a Netflix original. Um, but it's not like Netflix funded the show on YouTube or, or Roku funded the show on Quibi and, and then got it after. It's just because they shut down those services in particular. So uh, again, I can't think of a, any example like this. And I find that like super interesting that, that that's how it's kind of working. Um, I think the, the best example that maybe like um, Tony made that deal with Netflix that they would put after the theatrical run, they would put their Sony movies on Netflix, but then they, they come off of that and go into Disney+. Plus. It's yeah, like a weird, like, this is a weird unprecedented mm-hmm. time. These are all different. Like that's a strange deal in general, but like yeah. they're, they're all so weird now because there's so many damn streaming services. There's like a million of them. And so because there's so many of them, they're all contending with this concept where they kind of only really negotiated with these channels, which each of these mm-hmm. big networks had already owned. Like NBC Universal owns Pe- Peacock. They own it. Like HBO, Warner Brothers owns HBO. Like they don't have to, it's a weird, it's kind of weird. Oh, a good example. This is a very odd situation, but Harry Potter's on Peacock. Like, what? Oh yeah, What's going on here. 
Yeah. And it's going to come back, right? But it's just a strange situation. Yeah, there's mm. nothing quite like this. So you're right. Like I can't think – I'm sure there is. But I can't think of one off the top of my head that they actually did actually take it back. Like yeah. Apple won't let this happen. If they let this happen, I'd be shocked. I, I think that they are going to negotiate either to ha- own the linear rights or they're going to negotiate with Warner Brothers to extend the contract because apparently Warner Brothers wanted Apple to pay some of these salaries because they almost everyone mm-hmm. got a raise, like every actor, every writer, pretty much. I don't know if you know this, but yeah. Brett Goldstein is a writer on the show. Did you know that? Oh, no, I didn't know that. that no, that's cool. Brett no Goldstein plays Roy Kent, if you're not aware. He's one of the soccer players, whatever, football players on the show. And he was actually, he's a writer first. He, he was writing the characters and he, he was right in the writer's room apparently. And he, he wrote scenes for Roy or whatever. And he's like, I wonder if anyone sees the fact that I am Roy Kent. And he's like, probably not. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a pipe dream. But then he recorded himself saying lines for, as Roy Kent. And he sent it to Bill Lawrence and the team. And apparently they loved it so that he, he became Roy Kent. That's awesome. Which is quite a neat story. Yeah, he told that on Jimmy Kimmel, I think. Mm. Um, Jimmy Kimmel Live. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's a cool thing. And um, Coach, sorry, I don't remember the actor's name. He's great too. Assistant Coach. Uh, God, I forget his name as well. Brendan Hunt. He plays Coach Mm -hmm. Beard. Um, But Brendan Hunt as well, he's also a writer. Oh, that's cool. So, and Jason Sudeikis, of course, is a writer too. Like Jason Sudeikis is is kind of a a one-man show. Well, not really. Bill Lawrence is show running it, but he... He's writing it, he's executive producing it, and he's the headline mm-hmm. star. So, um. yeah. Yeah. What makes this even more interesting as well is I, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast. We may have, but that uh, Ted Lasso initially started off like as a, as a character by Jason S- uh, Sudeikis, and uh, Coach Beard was also a part of it on NBC Sports. And he- like Jason Sudeikis would show up as like a character called Ted Lasso, and it was on NBC Sports Network. And there's yeah, like, you know, it's like- crazy. I read that part of this article from the Hollywood Reporter. This Hollywood Reporter article is great. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that uh, yeah, I learned that there. I didn't know that before, and we definitely didn't talk about it on the podcast because I would have been like, yeah. "What?" <laughs> if we went back in time and had that conversation, but yeah, we didn't. So, uh, that's a crazy thing too. And we can time travel. We we can or yeah, we can. No. Oh, I see. Because we're a time tra- traveling podcast. Oh, you're making exactly. a reference to our previous episode. Mm-hmm. episode 63 oh you're yeah. so clever Shut but you know i didn't know that it's it's pretty cool that's a really neat thing too yes yeah, it's quite a, it's quite the gem honestly bill lawrence hmm. has ha- had not failures but he's had a, a bunch of start and stop shows that just didn't pick up like they they were good potentially but they just didn't get the viewership that they needed for warner brothers and i and i think it's kind of interesting that this particular show like uh, the other shows i think were all or a lot of them were on like warner brothers networks and then this one kind of went to apple and coincidentally, it's mm-hmm. like, it's an incredible hit. So Warner Brothers is kind of feeling it. They're like, ah, this kind of sucks. Like we're not getting the full revenue that we could be making from this. Like this is a gem that we could have had on our our, our kind of struggling streaming service. Or at the time, at least it was struggling when this show first came out and started getting really big like Ted Lasso. So it's kind of an interesting situation that they might love to have this show back because of how successful it is. It's like a double-edged sword for Apple. They're like, damn it, we should have purchased the linear rights right away. And Warner Brothers is like, damn it, we thought this was not going to be that great <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, why did mm-hmm. they give this Apple? Just like, why did they give, I guess, not really exactly the same. I still don't understand this, but why didn't they give the Peacock? Why did they give Peacock 
Harry Potter. It just doesn't make sense. Like it's your crown jewel and you're going to give it to another streaming service. That's just starting out as well. Mm-hmm. Shocking. But anyway, it is. And it's shocking, but I'm glad it's doing well. And uh, I'm curious how it'll all unfold. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Like I hope Ted Lasso keeps on going, but I don't want it to be a show that eventually falls downhill. Like if they tell their story in the three seasons, right. Do you think that they should continue? Do you, it, they, they are planned. That was the plan. Three seasons. Yeah. Like the showrunner, Apple Warner Brothers seem to want to make it keep going. Would you stop it after three seasons? If they if they have more story to tell and they know what they want to do. I think if Sudeikis legitimately has more story to tell and it's not just a payday, that would be Yeah, then I, the I'd be happy why. about that. But I I don't want – I feel like a lot of shows you know, can fall victim. Not, not many, but are actually arguably many. Um, they do fall victim of, hey, let's keep it going because it's popular and then it ultimately – begins to go downhill i think of supernatural as as a prime example where it was envisioned as a uh, five season story arc and the first first season is kind of like you know you get to know the characters it's monster of the week and then same with the second season a little bit but once it gets into the third season and and they and they continue that big arc that they've been setting up those first two seasons and you know it it reaches its climax at season five that i think is when the show peaked at least for me and then you know Season six was like, okay, what do we do? How can we kind of continue this ending that that it w- felt like a definitive ending and should have been a definitive ending? And then it, you know, it kind of floundered for the for a few seasons. And I, I know, I mean, Supernatural went on for like fifteen seasons almost. So, uh, I mean, obviously, people still loved it, but it, I don't think it ever reached that you know high quality of TV that it was at. Um, you know, in, in seasons like three to five. It's corporations versus creatives. That's basically mm-hmm. what it is. That's uh, 13 yeah. reasons why. Exactly. Holy fuck. So awful. God. But there's so many of those. It's like, it's insane. There's there's a lot of them. I wish yeah. there weren't, but that's just the way it is. That's why I admire uh, Vince Gilligan so much. Um, like, yeah, he had the show at the peak of its viewership numbers. Like it was doubling its numbers in its last season. And yet he's like, no, it's over. It's, it's done. I have no more story to tell. This is the series I envisioned. This is how it ends. It's funny because he's a guy who actually does things off the cuff a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. but I call Saul, he thought it was going to be like two seasons and he kept telling more stories. He's like, actually, we can do this. And he just kept going, which is funny. It's not like he planned it, but he knew when to end. Like he wants mm-hmm. it to be something succinct, something that people will remember. And it's one of the greatest shows I've ever made. Better Call Saul is. Uh, sorry, yeah. Breaking Bad is. Better Call Saul, I would agree, is actually... Yeah, me too. One of the greatest shows ever made, but so Breaking good. Bad is known as one of the greatest shows ever made, like mm-hmm. publicly <laughs> and not just privately in <laughs> Simon and Adrian's heads. That's true. That's true. It's weird. Again, Better Call Saul not getting the love that Breaking Bad did is still shocking to me. It still doesn't make any sense, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Even now, like, I don't know, maybe it didn't qualify. Maybe it was a different season, but it didn't get nominated for this Emmys at all, I don't think. I didn't notice. No, it. it was supposed to be last year. Remember, uh, I believe we talked about it, the Emmys last year and how upset we were that season five wasn't nominated for best drama series or whatever the hell. Or it had so few. I was wondering if it was season four because the Emmys aired a weird time, but maybe it was uh, season five. Yeah, it was weird. Last year was yeah. shocking. It was nominated for best drama at the Emmys last year, but it was everything else that it wasn't nominated for that was shocking, I think, to both of us. Because again, season four and season five were both amazing for that series. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, I digress. Let us move on to the montage 
Oh. A sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Deadline reports, the high school musical TV series has been renewed for a third season on streaming service Disney+. Interesting. Apparently it's good, and it's called The High School Musical, The Musical, The Series. Number two, as reported by Deadline, the Steve Martin, Martin Short, Hulu comedy series Only Murders in the Building has been renewed for season two. Also starring arguably the most popular person in that series, uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah, yes. She's really good in it. We've watched like five episodes. Amazing. It's really great. Number three, as Variety reports, Game of Thrones actor... Gwendolyn Christie has been cast as Morticia in Netflix's upcoming live-action Adams Family spin-off series, Wednesday. That's a very good casting choice. Very good. Number four. As reported by Variety, Breaking Bad star Kristen Ritter has now also been cast in the upcoming HBO Max 1980s-based true crime series, Love and Death. Actors Jesse Plemons, Lily Robb, and Elizabeth Olsen are also a part of the cast. That's a quality cast. Kristen Ritter... Kristen Ritter is the queen of goth. Number five. As Deadline reports, the boys actress Elizabeth Shue has been cast in the Showtime series Super Pumped, The Battle for Uber, alongside actors Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Kyle Chandler. Oh, right on. Quality casting choice, Joe Gore-Lev. Love that guy, as well as, uh, yeah. Apparently that's actually, it's an anthology series. I think we probably mentioned that weeks back, but I didn't really, I guess, acknowledge it recently. So this mm. should be potentially about another big tech company and the rise of that tech company in later seasons, I assume. But I guess we'll see. That's cool. Neat idea. Number six. As director Olivia Wilde announced on social media, her next film, Don't Worry Darling, starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, will officially premiere in theaters on September 23rd, 2022. Oh, okay. This is, uh, it seems like a big departure from her first film, which is Booksmart. This seems more of a thriller. It looks neat. Number seven. As The Hollywood Reporter notes, HBO's Michael Mann and Destin Daniel Cretton directed crime drama series Tokyo Vice will star Ansel Elgort, Ken Watanabe, Hideaki Ito, Sho Kasamatsu, and Tomihisa Yamashita. This seems super interesting. It uh, it kind of reminds me of like East, uh, or uh, what's the goddamn show called? Giri Haji. A little bit, but it it's going to be pl- taking place in Tokyo as opposed to like London or something. Yeah, I had the same thought. East versus West. Yeah. Is that what you were about to say yeah. before? That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Number eight. As Variety reports, Schitt's Creek co-creator Dan Levy has signed an eight-figure overall deal with Netflix to create both film and TV content for the streaming giant. Oh, good for him. That's a, that's a lot of figures. Number nine. According to Deadline, Captain America actor Anthony Mackie has just been cast as John Doe in the upcoming Sony Pictures live-action TV series adaptation for the PlayStation video game series Twisted Metal. Apologies to Kenneth Stadelbauer for talking about video games. Number ten. As Deadline reports, actors Giancarlo Esposito, Paz Vega, and Rufus Sewell have all been cast in the Netflix heist thriller series Jigsaw for Netflix, which is currently shooting in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, interesting. This is not connected to the Saw universe, I I imagine. Don't believe so. And that concludes the montage. Montage time. That's what's up. The montage is over. That's what's up. I wanted to mention just briefly about that Giancarlo Esposito headlining series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's apparently being produced by Eric Garcia and Ridley Scott for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And 
This is the interesting thing that's written here about this. It's about a real life story. Approximately, it takes over. It takes place over a course of twenty four years or something like that, in which seventy billion dollars in bonds go missing. This is I'm, I'm reading kind of from that deadline article, mm-hmm. and this is the the line here that they describe the series as. It's in quotations. It says the, the Netflix calls this a non linear approach to storytelling, in a way where viewers are in control, like a Bandersnatch type thing or a. You versus wild type thing? I don't know, but this is a bigger deal than those shows potentially. And we got some pretty big actors here and uh, Ridley Scott's involved. And it, hmm. it's quite interesting. They obviously, they, Netflix has claimed that they want to get into video games. So I, I'm curious, like it, maybe it's going to be more involved than those series. Maybe it's going to be a bigger headlining series. I'm kind of excited for this. It seems cool because it's a high thriller with Giancarlo Esposito. And in general, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, apparently, like during uh, Hurricane, which hurricane was it now? Sorry, Tortilla Sandy. During Hurricane Sandy in Manhattan, that's when they do this heist. Mm-hmm. Yes, interesting. Jai Courtney's in it as well. I like Jai Courtney. Yeah. Anyway, real quick, just so I don't come off as offensive, I said when you were like Hurricane, and I said Tortilla. That's a reference to a vine from back in the day. So I just want to bear. Just want to be clear. Not making fun of the tragic hurricanes. It's just a vine reference. Yes. It's very it's a bit of an outdated reference. Hurricane Katrina? More like Hurricane Tortilla. Do you remember that? What one? does that even mean though? What does it mean? It's a it's this kid and he's he's in his like pantry and like he's like grabbing like 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 a bag of tortilla chips or whatever, tortillas, and they fall. And he's like and all he says is like <laughs> that's that's what he says. That's what he says. It's seven seconds long, Simon. You can fucking watch yes. it quicker than I, I'm explaining this goddamn thing. Just search up yeah. Hurricane Tortilla. Yeah, this is a part of our regular uh, you know, scheduled programming for our show where you explain Vine videos from 2010. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Classic. Very good, Adrian. Thank you. I miss Vine. Thank you for your service. Uh, what do you got for me, Adrian? What do you got for me? I got Vine videos for you, Simon. No. I'm just kidding. I got new releases for you. And this is for the week of September the 20th to September the 26th. That is a Monday to a Sunday. And the first two movies, there's not many movies coming out this week. Let me just be honest with you. At least I couldn't find too many movies. Now, apparently there's two Amazon Prime video movies that are coming out. I didn't add them to the list because I was I saw them on Movie Insider. And then when I looked into it, I could not find it for the life of me anywhere else. I looked at the trailers. For one, one of those movies, I literally couldn't even find it anywhere on Google other than on Movie Insider. And I was like, what the fuck? And then the other one, I like looked at multiple sources. I looked at the trailer and then there was no other release date other than from the Movie Insider. So I decided to leave them off the off the list. I see. That's what I did. Anyways, the first two movies coming out this week are coming out on Wednesday, the 22nd. And the first one is a Netflix original movie called Intrusion. And it's a deadly home invasion leaves a wife looking for answers as she learns that this was only just the beginning. Oh, yeah. By the way, one of these I totally plagiarized. And I'm curious if you'll know which one it is. Okay. In this list of movies. Okay. Okay. I'll try and point it out. Okay. Next up is Confessions of an Invisible Girl. This is a Netflix original movie and it's a little awkward – girl goes to a new school and wants to make some new friends but this one bitch is just being a total bully to her and has different ideas in mind it's not that one no it's not. <laughs> that's a good get that's a good guess friday the 24th 
The Starling is up next, and this is a Netflix original movie starring Melissa McCarthy, stars in this movie about loss, marriage, and a feisty bird that just won't leave her fucking garden alone. <laughs> oh, not that one either. No, actually, that's the one I plagiarized directly from Netflix, man. Straight from the description. No, it, I'm just kidding. It is I'm not. Just kidding. Uh, uh, next up is My Little Pony. A New Generation. This is a Netflix original movie, and it's super weird that people are just so infatuated with these weird fucking horses, and some people just wake make like weird ass porn out of it. These the, those brony dudes and stuff. I've mentioned bronies before on the show. It's a weird fetish. I don't get it. It's weird stuff to each their own. But they're, they're ponies. Like what? Anyways. Yeah, it's very strange. And this is also not a plagiarized. No, actually, this one, this one was the plagiarized one. Straight no, from it wasn't. You're going to say that every time it. now. Stop. <laughs> I don't okay. buy it. East of the Mountains is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's about a man that takes his dog back to his childhood home after he discovers that he himself has cancer. No, not this one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next up is Solitary. This is Movie Insider and Apple TV, uh, confirmed by those websites this is a video on demand movie and it's a bottle film but in a in in space in a spacecraft in a prison cell with a cellmate hell-bent on destroying everything you like a bottle film as in like it's it's like a bottle episode but it's a film like a bottle episode but it's a film yeah yeah you definitely wrote that one no no that's actually straight from the description from from the apple tv app anyways next up is apache junction is it I don't understand anymore. You're crying wolf so many damn times. Now, I, I can't see your face. I don't know if you're joking. That isn't from the description, right? You definitely wrote that. Yeah, I did. I did. Apache Junction okay. is up next. It's confirmed what by- What game is this? The rules are all over the place. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's about a young reporter that travels into hostile lands to get the story of the century in the year 1881. Huh, that one could be. Hmm? I don't think so though, because you wouldn't. I don't think we would be playing this game if it was one like this. I don't. I think you wrote this. Okay, maybe. No, actually, that's that's the one straight from the description from the Apple TV app, baby. Anyways, up next is through what, the glass. What are you playing here? Why are you? Is it or is it not? Through the glass darkly is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's a woman's daughter disappeared a year ago. Now another young girl vanishes. Convinced these. Two disappearances. Sorry, I spelled two wrong in there. Let me fix that. Yeah, that's not that one. You wrote that. No, I didn't copy and paste any of these. This plagiarized one. Convinced these two disappearances are connected. She stops at nothing to reveal the truth. What are you waiting for? All right, Lone Wolf is up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie. In an obscure bookstore, a group of environmental activists meets in secret. An idealist and her boyfriend want to disrupt disrupt the G20. Meanwhile, the Minister of Justice is watching video footage, which can tell an interesting story. I think you plagiarized that one. I did plagiarize that one. You got it, man. You got it. That's straight from the description. Ding, ding, ding. What does that mean? In an obscure bookstore, a group of environmental activists meets in secret. Okay. An idealist and her boyfriend wants to disrupt the G20. 
Meanwhile, the Minister of Justice is watching video footage, which can tell an interesting story. <laughs> the last sentence is the one that's like, why? <laughs> that, I was very confused. And that's why I plagiarized it. I was like, this sounds like something I would write, but like almost more nonsensical. I feel like even my write-ups make a little bit more sense. I was like, what the fuck is this? And that's why I wanted to play the game. It is strange. Is it look good? Like, there's a, did you see the trailer for this? No, I didn't look at the trailer. I just saw the poster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Let's confirm my movie inside on the Apple TV app. I don't remember if I said that. Anyways, up next is Man in the Field, The Life and Art of Jim Denovan. It's confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and in the Apple TV app. It's a video-on-demand movie, and this is exactly what what the title says it is. It's about a man in the field, and uh, that's Jim Denovan, and it's about his life and art of his. Ooh. Yeah. And then, Simon, the final movie that is coming out this week is a movie called Dear Evan Hansen. And this is coming out to theaters. It's confirmed by Cineplex. This looks sad. And apparently, it's based on a stage play. It's about this kid that's bullied by this other kid. And that kid commits suicide. But he steals a note from Evan Hansen. And Evan Hansen uh, writes notes to himself. To make him feel better, but then that the kids the this, the the kid that committed suicide, his parents find the note and is like, "Oh my god, you were like friends with with my son," but in reality, the the kid that committed suicide was actually bullying Evan Hansen. Oh, that's the premise of the movie. Seems uh, kind of. I didn't really quite know that that was the stage play's premise. I think we had a chance to see that movie when we were both in New York together. It was a weird, really weird trip because we couldn't talk outside this podcast. Never, have, never will. But we were. Together for four four days in New York, very unusual. New York City, yeah. And uh, we went to see Book of Mormon. Mormon, yes, the Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon instead, yeah. Just Mormon people, <laughs> not the play. <laughs> yeah, we just went to see Mormon people. We actually decided to leave Broadway, like ah, screw this, and we went to the countryside and visited with some Mormons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. Anyways, that's it. That's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. I appreciate you making this list as always. It's uh, it was very entertaining. I was, you know, it was, it was interesting to pick pick out which one of these was a. That was a fun game. It was a farce. That was a fun game. Yeah, you gotta admit. Yeah, incredible. It was incredibly fun. Um, yeah, maybe I should have waited to the end and then guessed yeah. to make it more dramatic, just in case it was in the beginning. Because if it was in the beginning, it would have not been very entertaining. That's true. Like, oh, the game's over. <laughs> that's why oh, I put. Great. That's why I pretty much put it at the end, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I thought of it. As soon as I read the like that title, I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, I'm gonna make a fun game out of this. Indeed. Indeed, it was fun. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna continue doing the bit where I'm like, actually that was in the description. Even that was a little annoying, I'm not gonna lie. But <laughs> you know, the rest of it was good. Um but yeah, thank you for again for, uh, making up this list. Thank you for joining me, Adrian. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the audience before we leave? Because this is the end of our regular scheduled programming. Support your local theater if it's safe to do so. Theater. <laughs> you making fun of my speech impediment? Um, no, not at all. Feels like you are. But I agree with you. You should support your local theater because they're struggling at the moment for obvious reasons. But um, please uh, write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. Comments, questions, corrections, we will address them on our show. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, or on YouTube if you'd like. And um, thank you for listening to the 64th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Hey guys, it's me, Adrian Pinter, and uh, 
I'm so happy about all those Emmy wins. I was like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Like, wow, I can't believe this person won this Emmy and and this show won this Emmy. But you know what should have won an Emmy? Batman v Superman. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. Anyways, take care. Goodbye. You could have legitimately just argued that Batman vs Superman did win an Emmy because you can't possibly know what won an Emmy. Wasn't it crazy in the award show uh, at the 73rd annual Emmys when Batman vs Superman took home Best Drama Series? I could have done that, but I decided to go my way, Simon. And you know what they say, my way or the highway, baby. My way or the highway. Alrighty, goodbye. <laughs>